Hello and welcome to the Commander Quest podcast, the podcast where we have our goal. The goal is to build Commander decks with all the cards in Magic and no overlap. So today we are going to be talking about continuing that decks by doing deck text for two decks, a Rampage deck with Gishath as the commander and a uh, power deck with Godzilla uh, as the commander. We are also going to be talking about the new secret layers and a lot of new changes I'm going to be making to this podcast. So to start off, uh, I'm making a huge amount of changes to this podcast. First of all, I am now recording in my closet, which I have turned into a sound booth. I have lots and lots of foam on the walls, and I have made a pop filter. I am also going to be using a lot of different uh, things during the editing phase to make it sound much, much better. Currently, I think I have to find a new location for my microphone, because as I'm sure you've heard, I just bumped it like three times, and it's very much in the way of my hands. So hopefully I will figure that out soon. But other than that, there are many other things that I'm going to be changing, such as I will be getting rid of the music, and I just changed my uh, my intro, and I will be making a new outro. So other than that, it's going to sound fairly the same. Uh, well, the sound quality will hopefully be much, much better, but the format of the episodes and things like that will be very, very similar. So, to start off, we have the magic news. For magic news this week, there is a summer super drop of Secret Layers. If you don't know what a a super drop is, that is when they drop a lot of Secret Layers in quick succession. Five, to be specific. So, On June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, there will be a secret lair drop. And on the 1st to the 15th, you can buy all of them at once. So, let's go over them. So, first is the one on the 1st. Full sleeves, the tattoo pack. Full sleeves include one all-art ink moth nexus, one All Art Pithing Needle, one All Art Eternal Witness, one All Art Blood Artist, and one Alt Art Spell Pierce. They also include one co- code to redeem a card sleeve based on the Secret Lair Drop Pithing Needle card to use for MTG Arena, and one code to redeem one non foil copy of each card for use on Magic Online, and that is $30. So, if we break down the prices, uh, the cards respectively are, first of all, Spell Pierce is $20, 20 cents, Blood Artist is $4, Eternal Witness is $4, Pithing Needle is $2.50, and Ink Moth Nexus is $12. So, the way that I scraped those numbers is, of course I used non-foil, but I just went and got the cheapest ones on TCG Player by name by just looking at the listings so that it wouldn't most likely display 
damaged cards. So that's about the price of those, and that adds up to $22.70. So this is kind of worth less. They are not foil, but they are alt art, and if you're going to use a significant number of these, then it could be worth it. Next up is Can You Feel with a Heart of Steel? So that is dropping on the 2nd, June 2nd. So they have one foil alternate full art walking ballista, one foil alternate full art arcbound ravenger, and one foil full art dark steel colossus. So when I scraped the data for this, I used non-foil, and there's a very specific reason for that. I think that for a lot of these, the value is aesthetic, the value is all art, the value is foil. And that is completely up to you what that value is. So I just put the cheapest way you could get this specific cards. I'm looking at it with a purely mechanical standpoint, which isn't really realistic, but I think everything that isn't purely mechanical, I have no right to be analyzing for you. It is completely up to you how much you care about that type of thing. So, respectively, Arcbound Ravager is $8. Darksteel Colossus is $7. And Walking Ballista is $27. Of course, same thing. There's a lot of different editions at a lot of different prices. And I am not sure... I've said it, I'm not sure if I've said it before, but the prices here will be higher. You will be able to resell these for a higher price, rather rebuy them. You lose a lot of equity when you sell, unless you do it in a smart way. So there is next the Secret Lair Planeswalkers, or the Path Not Traveled. So there is one foil altart, a Johnny Steadfast, Steadfast. One foil altart, Domri Raid. One foil altart, Tamio Field Researcher. One foil altart, Vraska Golgari Queen. So, again, non foil, uh, cheapest things on there. My overall impression of this is it's kind of just a bunch of relatively bad planeswalkers, but they've got some value. Uh, the first one, which is a, Don a Johnny Steadfast, is $7. Domri Raid is $3. Tamio is $10. And Vraska is $4. Because of the fact that they're Planeswalkers, their price is naturally inflated. And I think just about every single one other than Tamio is relatively bad. But they can be used in some scenarios. Again, these are foil, and I did not use that foil. It is $40 for this one. Sorry, the last one, which was the uh, artifacts, can you feel with the heart of steel, was $40. And the first one, which was the full sleeves, is $30. Uh, that is my bad. So, with that, it comes out to $24, and it is $40. And yes, they are foil, so it is significantly higher value. Uh, but still, I think that the Artifacts one, because they are both foil, and because it has the highest value, even if you don't consider the foil, then it is one of the best value ones. Okay, 
Uh, next is Mountain Go. So it is four different foil alternate art lightning bolts. Also for all of these, there's like different codes for different things, MTG Arena or Magic Online. But there are four different foil full art lightning bolt cards. So this one is the most extreme. It is 30 is it 30 or 40? It is $30. This is the most extreme case. It a foil light a non-foil lightning bolt is 150. So logistically, uh, in terms of power level or mechanics, this is worth six dollars. But because they are all different arts and they're all foil, it is really worth much more. If you have a modern burn deck or something that you really just love to play, I could definitely see this being worth buying. The downside, it, the downside of it, of course, being having different arts can be slightly, slightly power level reducing of your deck. But I don't think most people care about the very slight chance that they recur it and then cast the one that their opponents hasn't seen yet and then their opponents know they still have one in hand. I don't think most people care about that. And if you play carefully, it shouldn't be an issue anyways. But either way, it is a consideration. Uh, this, I would say, has one of the worst values. Okay, ornithological studies. Uh, it is $30, by the way. Not ornithological studies. Mountain Go, which is the bolts. Ornithological Studies is $30 and has one Alt-Art Baleful Strix, one Alt-Art Birds of Paradise, one Alt-Art Dovescape, one Alt-Art Gilded Goose, and one Alt-Art Swan Song. So, to start that off, we have Swan Song, which is $8. We have Birds of Paradise, which is $7. We have Gilded Goose, which is $2. Baleful Strix is $4, and Dovescape is $1. $1. That is a total of $22. So, to round it all off, the Tattoo one is worth $22.70. The Artifact one is $42, but it is foil, and it cost costed $40. Tattoo costed $30. The Planeswalkers costs $40. It's worth $24 non-foil. is actually foil. The Bolt one, $6 non-foil is actually foil costs 30 the birds one is is worth 22 dollars costs 30 dollars again these are all different because of sentimental value and because of the art so that is the data that i have there's also the last thing which is the bundle so you get for $170, which if we add it all up, we get 30 plus 30, which is 60, plus 40, which is 100. We get a total of $170. So you are getting this bundle for the same as if you were to buy them all individually. The upside, though, is you get a non-foil en enemy fetch land. So... Basically, if you add it all up, all of the things, they're 116.70. Again, some of them are foil. There's a lot of different things about it. But there are really 
the mechanical value you're getting is 116.70 of cards. And then for the fetches, the average cost of the fetches they showed at this point probably would lower because they're reprinting them so many places. Who knows? The average cost is $60. So yes, you will be getting more mechanical, well, not necessarily, but you will most likely be getting more mechanical uh, value than you would uh, be paying for it. So there's also shipping, which is much better than it was before, but I'm not really going to get into that. I will link this article in the description. All right, so that is it for the MTG news. Uh, one more thing, two more things that I want to cover in, uh, that are in relation to this podcast. First of all, I would love to grow as I have plans for analyzing other cards in different ways. I want to be able to do crowdsourced studies where you guys can submit answers into Google Forms and Google Sheets, and I can analyze that data in order to find more conclusions about cards. I'm also going to be doing more analyzing a card, but not really analyzing it, more like teaching you how to analyze it for your own deck. I've been thinking about that for a while, and since I have run out of things on the top of my, of cards on the top of my head that I can just analyze, I will be trying to do that in the future. Not today, though. Uh, Also, I have been pondering a potential change in the rules of the quest and making it so that I can have overlaps. But because I don't like that, I would set some guidelines in order for it to be allowed to have an overlap. For example, if it has a certain number of decks on EDHREC, I can't use it twice. I do not want to be reusing staples. That is just completely against the spirit of the challenge. So, I might change the rules. Currently, I don't think I will, but it is a thought. So, uh, once I get a large enough audience, I will begin doing the crowdsourced reviews. First, I have to get big enough to be on the EDA Trek content page. Then, I believe I could try and collaborate with uh, with the uh, people over at EDHREC, and I could write articles in order to get lots and lots of platforms so I can gather as much, as much data as possible. I really would like to have enough data in order to be confident. Plus, once I get to that size, I won't have to scrape the data myself. I can ask them to let me use the programs that they have in place to to get that data. Plus, they might already have the data, and I might have to learn how to program. I don't know at this point. But it is time to get into Card of the Week. So the Card of the Week this week is Nova Cleric. Nova Cleric is is a white for a 1-2. 2, tap. Sacrifice Nova Cleric. Destroy all enchantments. So what I've done is I've gone through the turns and I figured out the average number, well not the average number, the percentage chance that you will hit a specific number 
for each turn that you could sacrifice it for your opponents. So let's start at the lowest number. On turn four, there's a there's an 88% chance you'll get one. For most of these things, you will get at least one of your opponent's enchantments. But that doesn't really mean much. Most uh most decks have just about seven enchantments on average. So 7.3 to be specific. So when we sacrifice it, we are going to most likely get at least one no matter what. But who knows if that's going to be important. If you think about the enchantments people are using, a lot of the time they are important because they have a lot of synergy. Enchantments are really easy to build around and really easy to get synergy around. Think of doubling season. So enchantments are a very important um, type of card a lot of the time, but they are not always. So on turn four, there's a 60% chance you will get two. On turn five, there's a 90% chance you'll get one. 75% chance you'll get two, and a 50% chance you will get three. On turn six, there's a 96% chance you'll get one, an 80% chance you'll get two, and a 57% chance you will get three. And on turn seven, there is a 97% chance you'll get one, an 84% chance you will get two, and a 62% chance you will get three. So, this is relatively bad, I would say. I mean, I don't... It, you can get some enchantments, but you have to destroy all of them. You have to analyze this for your own deck and calculate how many you are likely to use. I will link to a hypergeometric distribution calculator to help you figure that out. What you want to do is you want to count up the number of cards in your deck that have uh, that are enchantments. Then you're going to do 99 for the population size, the number of enchantments uh, as your successes of your population. The sample size will be 7 plus the turn that you want to know about, and the number of successes in the sample is the number of cards you think you're going to draw the number of cards you want to know how likely it is you will draw. I will link to that and you can analyze it for yourself to see how many of your enchantments you're going to blow up. Because for your opponents, you might get one, two, if you're really lucky or really patient, you might get three. But one or two just seems mediocre. I would say most of the time it is much, much better to just play a card that lets you destroy target artifact or enchantment. Or one of the many cards that lets you destroy an artifact and an enchantment. Or two enchantments or two artifacts or something like that. While the odds of there being two enchantments is not particularly high, sometimes it is if you are patient enough. So in conclusion, I think this is a relatively bad card. So but it is better than people think. Okay, so it is time to get into the decks. So I'm gonna start with the much, much more interesting one, 
we have a Gishath Sun's Avatar Enrage deck. Gishath Sun's Avatar is 5 red, green, white for a 7-6 Trample Vigilance Haste. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put any number of dinosaur creature cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library from in a random order. So, this is just a way to get dinosaurs onto the field. There aren't really many other decks that synergize with dinos, with the exception, of course, of Mael. So, this deck has three categories. We'll start with the most simple one, dinosaur. I can cheat out giant dinosaurs with Gishath. So, I'm going to take advantage of that and throw a ton of super expensive dinos in. Uh, I did not include any pump for Gishath because that is not unique to this commander at all. So, I did not include any pump for the dino. So, I have 23 dinosaurs, and there's not really very much notable about them. They're big, and they are dinosaurs, and sometimes they synergize with dinosaurs. Mostly, they are janky, vanilla, uh, French vanilla, or just have basically useless abilities, but they can be cheated out, and they're usually quite large, so it is a great way to take advantage of that. One other notable thing that I didn't say yet is the quote-unquote sideboard. I have Kahira, the Orphan Guard, as my companion. So, the requirement, the requirement for Kahira is each creature card in your starting deck is a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast card. And I do, of course, fit that requirement. It has Vigilance and is a 3-2. Each other creature you control that's a cat, elemental, dinosaur, or beast gets plus one, plus one, and has vigilance. So, I just start with that basically in the sideboard, but it's, it's sort of like a command zone. So, that is pretty nice. Alright, so, what about the rest of the categories? This is the thing that the deck is centered on. It is enrage and damage. So Enrage, is, if you do not know, is whenever, whenever this creature is dealt damage, something triggers. And so, damage is the creatures that deal one damage to everything. That way, every single Enrage triggers. I have 17 cards with Enrage and 22 cards that deal damage. Of the cards with Enrage, there are a lot of different things that can happen. For example... Imperial Ceratops, gain 2 life, 5 mana, 3, 5. Bellowing Aegisaur, 5 and a white, 3, 5. Put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on each other creature you control. There are quite, quite a lot of different things that can happen depending on the card. Uh, usually they are pretty relatively powerful and useful when you do them over and over again. Another example is Ranging Raptors, 2 and a green, and you search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library, and it's a 2-3. There are many, many different examples of what could happen, and they're rather repetitive, so I don't think I'm going to get into them that much.
And then there is damage. So there are 22 cards with damage. And if you remember last episode, there were very specific reasons why I used very specific types of cards. So this deck loves to have one damage to each creature without flying because I don't care about the flying creatures. Almost none, I believe it actually is none, of my dinosaurs that have Enrage have flying. So I am losing absolutely nothing except for maybe incidental damage to my opponent's creatures, which probably doesn't matter, by saying I'm going to use non-flying damage. Or the other category is things that can deal one damage over and over and over again. Yes, correct. I have no things with flying. And dealing two damage, while it can be nice, can also be rather damaging. I can kill my creatures and it can and it can reduce the number of times that I can use these triggers in a specific turn. So that is the reason that I'm using these specific cards. Some of them are instants and sorceries, some of them are other things. Uh, really, there isn't very much uh, variation. Some of it just deals damage to each creature, and some of it has the option to deal damage to uh, deal more damage than that so that I can get the enraged triggers and then wrath the board. But other than that, there isn't really much notable. It is a pretty straight up rampage deck. And it can take a lot of different, a lot of advantage out of the things it is doing, including from getting free dinos out of Gishath. Alright, it is time for the last deck. The last deck is a Godzilla. Or, well, you know what? Let me say a thing or two more. Uh, for the Rampage deck, it is $92. It has 37 lands. So, we have gotten uh, 64 cards done with this because we have Kira and we only have 37 lands. Uh, 92 isn't good, isn't bad. Uh, we're talking about 64 cards, so it's about 150. So I would say that's a little bit high, but my other deck is only $22. Uh, I have gotten rid of, again, 63 cards because I have, well not again, I have 37 lands and me, my commander is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters is 3 red-green for a 7-3 trample. Lethal damage to creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness. Now, I could read any one of these cards to you, but it doesn't matter. They're all just cheap. Well, not cheap. They're all just creatures with big power and low toughness. My criteria for including them was they weren't really playable anywhere else, they have higher power than they do toughness, and they have higher power than they do CMC. It is just a way to deal a lot of damage very quickly. And there's not really much to go over. I mean, I've got 20, I've got 21 mountains and 16 forests. There's really not much to say, it is just a way to get a lot of not particularly playable cards out of the way and just make them rather good, actually. It is a decent deck 
with absolutely terrible cards in it. It is just insane how transformative this can be. Uh, let's, let's go with a nice, a great example. Color of the pack is five green green for an eight six with trample and myriad. You can just deal eight damage to each opponent. That is awesome. And they're gonna have to have eight power to kill that. That thing's not gonna die. Um, whip or breaker of armies is another example. Eight for a ten eight. All creatures able to block breaker of armies do so. They are going to have to block with their entire team. The odds of them having a team with eight power is, I would think, incredibly high. The odds of them having a team with ten power is significantly lower. That is a threshold that most people don't necessarily get up to. There are also a huge amount of X ones, and it is just a great, great way to take advantage of these cards. It is very, very transformative. It is time to get into the collection statistics. So, so far I have gotten through 2,325 cards, or a total of 2,331 because of uh, seven dwarves. My estimated value is $3,869. Nice. Um, that's not too bad. I mean, we didn't add too much. We were, we spent about $110. We got about 120 cards. So we're a little bit under a dollar card, which can help lower it. Because currently my average cost per card is a little bit higher than I would like it to be. For the entirety of Magic, the average is about 220 per card. Alright, for color distribution, uh, what I just did probably didn't help very much with it. We have 366 green, 475 red, 235 black, 349 blue, and 282 white. So yeah, I was right. Uh, it did not help very much. It just made it a lot worse. We're still very far behind on black and white. And no, we're still... Blue is still on pace. We just gotta get some black and white decks. Uh, also, red has a ridiculous amount. Uh, but on colors, we have 448. Too much. And multicolor, 176. Too little. For type distribution, we have 1,321 creatures, uh, 265 sorceries, 357 artifacts, uh, 17 planeswalkers, 85 lands, 220 enchantments, um, 5 tribal cards, and 201 instants. So, for that, that's pretty good. Uh, and for rarity distribution, we have 101 mythics, 625 rares, 726 uncommons, and 879 commons. So just about the same as before, much more drastic of a difference than there actually is. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my Commander Quest account with the link in the description below or at Commander Quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description. 
and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel, Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I will see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.